want to talk to you a little bit about Jace Medical. You've talked, you've heard me talk about the Jace uh, case before in the past, and that has five different antibiotics that you can have when you're traveling. We had that when we were traveling and ended up needing it. Um, but you, you, that way, when you're traveling or if you're in an emergency or wherever, you can actually use um, the antibiotics. You don't have to worry about getting to a doctor if you're away from them. We talked about that. This is the game changer. It's Jace Daily. It is a prescription supply service that allows you to get up to a year's worth of backup supply of your prescription medication in case of an emergency. Cholesterol, diabetes, heart health, blood pressure, mental health, all of it. All just a bunch of medications that a lot of people take. You'll have up to a year's supply. Jace Medical is doing this. Get the peace of mind of not having to worry about running out of medicine. JaceMedical.com. J-A-S-E Medical.com. Use the promo code Beck at checkout and get a discount. entertainment and enlightenment this is the glenn back program hello america welcome to the glenn beck program i have if you've listened for more than 10 minutes you'll know i am a huge fan of technology and the coming technology the things that are just over the horizon are truly miraculous beyond most people's imagination. Uh, However, just because we can do something doesn't mean we should do something. And I am fascinated by this company called Colossal. And they are jump-starting nature and its ancestral heartbeat. When I tell you what they're planning on doing or, and are doing, I think you're going to be as torn as I. It's really cool. But why would we ever do that? And I have a great conversation with the uh, CEO and co-founder of Colossal. His name is Ben Lamb. And we begin in 60 seconds. So just over the UK for the past couple of weeks, um, you know what they have very little over there? American meat. Uh, yeah. Uh, apparently they have their own cows and uh, I guess boil their own hamburger or something awful <laughs> like that. They, they're weird. Okay, when it comes to food, they're a little weird. Too bad we don't have our own meat in our supermarkets. You realize that every piece of meat that you get in the supermarket that has the little American product of USA is not necessarily a product of USA. In fact, 80% of it comes from another country. Did you know that? Why are we doing that? We have the ranches. We have the ranchers. We have the capability. 
GoodRanchers.com understands the power of our farms and our ranching and meat. Also, the power of inflation to impoverish. So let me tell you about Good Ranchers. They get all of the beef, chicken, pork, uh, fish, everything from American. Uh, American ranchers, American farmers and breeders. 100% America. It's locally sourced meat that you're going to put on your grill and your plate. And it's going to be delicious. It's delivered to your door. And if you use the promo code BECK, you'll get $30 off at GoodRanchers.com. Do what I do. Buy your meat from GoodRanchers.com. That's GoodRanchers.com. Ben, welcome to the Glenbeck program. How are you, sir? I'm great. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. You bet. Um, I I hear from my people uh, that y- your people are concerned that this is a gotcha interview. Or the, I don't ever do that. Uh, I don't invite people on my show uh, at least without telling them from me in advance, it's going to be a tough interview. So relax. I am fascinated by what you're doing, but I also am very concerned about it. And I want to hear what you, what you guys are thinking. Cool. Well, no, I mean, my, I guess PR teams and your people and my people, you know, they always have their opinions on things. I mean, we're a pretty open book, right? And yeah. we're pretty excited about what we're doing and, you know, we love to talk about it with, you know, not everyone loves what we're doing. Right. Uh, we've, been, we've been very fortunate to have, you know, a lot of support. But, you know, I feel like it's our job to have conversations with all of the groups and really educate the people what we're doing and be transparent about it. Right. And and then let people form their own opinions. It's not really our job to persuade anyone one way or the other. So I'm just I'm just happy to be here. OK, um, so let's talk about what you're doing. First, I want to state your company's mission and goal through technological and engineering breakthroughs in biosciences and genetics. Colossal is accepting humanity's duty to restore Earth to a healthier state while also solving for future economies and biological necessities of the human condition. Colossal will revolutionize history and will be the first company to use CRISPR technology successfully in the de-extinction of previously lost species. On the journey, we will build radical new software tools and technologies to advance the science of uh, genomics. Is that how you say it? Genomics overall. Uh, genomics. Yeah. Uh, genomics. Okay. We are the leading. We are leading the new charge of bioscience. We accept the responsibility. We see the light at the end of it all. What you're currently working on is amazing. You are trying to bring the woolly mammoth back into away from extinction and back into uh, uh, life. Why? Yeah. I mean, so fundamentally we're working on three species, the woolly mammoth, the Tasmanian tiger and the dodo. Um, and we believe that de-extinction and bring species back, leveraging all these genetic rescue technologies, not only can help bring these incredible animals back and help restore those ecosystems, but can actually develop technologies that we can use to advance conservation because uh, conservation needs more money. It needs more tools, needs more technologies uh, because we could lose up to 50 percent of all biodiversity between now and 2050 if we're not careful, uh, as well as advance the same tools and technologies that can be applied to human health care 
and help from everything from cancer research to genetic engineering and getting rid of certain types of disease states uh, in humans. And so it's kind of a systems model thinking to kind of be one of these big challenges that we think a lot of technologies will come from it that can benefit uh, both conservation and uh, uh, humanity. Who's, who's your chief ethicist? So Alta Charo uh, uh, is one of our ethicists. She's our lead ethicist. And we picked Alta because you can learn a lot from a critic. And so we actually went after uh, uh, to talk to we after early early on our journey, we went after Alta and a few other people because uh, Alta specifically had debated George Church years before on why you should not bring back a woolly mammoth. Right. And so we really want we really want people like that, like informed critics that can help us do things in the most transparent way and also make sure that we're educating the general public in conversations like this on what we're doing and taking that feedback. Okay. Is, I mean, I, I don't mean to be flippant with you, but have you ever seen Jurassic Park? Uh, I actually have seen Jurassic Park. I've seen all of them. They're, I'm a big sci-fi guy. You know, I've started most, all the companies I've ever started are technology companies. So I'm definitely inspired by Jurassic Park, which was a movie just to remind all the viewers. Right. But is there anything that you won't bring back into life? I mean, you're bringing three species that have been extinct. Uh, is there anything else you won't bring back in? I think you need to be really thoughtful about the why behind what you're doing, right? And so the species that we're working on served a, a, a purpose and filled an ecological niche in their local ecosystem, right? And we're driven to extinction either directly or indirectly uh, by mankind. And so that's where we're really Wait, the woolly mammoths time. were killed by man? Yeah, early man actually hunted uh, mammoths. And what's interesting about elephants that most people don't realize is that they take 13 years to get to sexual maturity before they can breed. And there's a 22 month gestation. So you don't have to kill all the woolly mammoths or all an elephant population to, to push that species into extinction. You just have to uh, create enough that you get that downgrading effect uh, through the population. And then you get genetic bottleneck, which ultimately led to their extinction was genetic bottleneck in, in the species. Uh, Meaning there wasn't enough diversity in the species to continue on. Um, and so same thing with, you know, with the dodo, we actually eradicated uh, the dodo. Most people think that we, that we just ate the dodo, but we actually, most of the dodos died because mankind actually brought in invasive species to Mauritius in the surrounding islands, uh, which actually, you know, killed a lot of the uh, young as well as uh, the eggs since they were laid on the ground, since they were flightless. And then lastly, the Australian government paid people, through a bounty program to eradicate the Tasmanian tigers. And why would they do that? Well, it, now, uh, you know, looking back on it, um, it was really driven by uh, the sheep uh, industry. So all of the folks that were ranching were actually, they've proven now, were actually stealing and poisoning and killing each other's sheep for competitive means. They blamed it on the Tasmanian tiger, also known as the thylacine. Uh, but there's no, uh, you know, data to suggest that the thylacine could even, one, attack a sheep or two, eat a sheep. It ate smaller, you know, marsupials in, in kind of the, their, hmm. um, in, in their stack. Okay, so let me go back to the question. Is there anything that you won't bring back? 
Yeah, I mean, there's lots of stuff that we won't be. We'll focus on these three species, right? And so I think that there's we get asked a lot of time about dinosaurs. We also get, believe it or not, you can't, unfortunately, for the people that love dinosaurs, you can't bring back dinosaurs. There's no DNA. It serves zero purpose to bring them back. Uh, weirdly and re- really weirdly enough, though, we get asked about the megalodon a lot, which terrifies me that people would even ask that question Glenn. my son would um, ask that uh, question yeah people yeah. ask that question and i'm like do you really assuming that we could which we can't why would you ever i mean the ocean's already scary enough why would you ever want something like that out there and so so we have kind of a uh, our ethical framework of, of what we focus on our species that can help restore existing ecosystems uh where mankind had a uh, complete uh role in or a partial role in their extinction. So, so you we, we have oh, okay. Go, go ahead. No, finish. Go ahead. No, no. I was just gonna say we have some frameworks around it. So there's a lot of things that you can't bring back, and there's even more that we won't bring back. All right. So there, um, the the woolly mammoth you say hunted by early man, but the reason why you have the DNA is because they were flash frozen, if I'm not mistaken, strangely uh, way up. Uh, north in in Russia, is that correct? Correct. Yeah, they were frozen in the permafrost, and so what happens in the permafrost, unlike what happens in you know the rainforest and whatnot. In the rainforest, you get this nitrogen oxygen cycle where things die to get quickly eaten or absorbed into the into the forest floor, uh, and then it's kind of a rinse and repeat. In the permafrost, it's exactly opposite. Things die, they fall over. Maybe they get partially eaten, but then they get covered with the next layer of snow or ice. So it's really well preserved. And so, I mean, we've, um, I have not been to Siberia, but Ariana Husili and George Church, George being my co-founder, have actually been to Siberia. And actually when they've extracted uh, uh, mammoth carcasses, they still have like blood and tissue in them. So we actually have a lot of tissue. It does degrade over time, DNA, um, but we actually have 54 mammoth genomes that we've acquired that we've used to build our reference genome that's kind of our guidebook for our engineering efforts. Okay, so is it true that they that some of them were flash frozen with like buttercups in their stomach? Yeah, they, yeah. Uh, I don't know what was in their full microbiome and in their stomach uh, when they died, but some of them froze nearly instantly uh, and are incredibly well preserved. What what it, what would cause that? Oh, there's so many theories, you know, on that. Right, uh, obviously. You know, it's cold. It's already, you know, sub-freezing temperatures up to negative 40, you know, in the winters. And so if things stop moving, you know, mammoths and a lot of other species uh, that, that can survive, you know, in not just the Arctic Circle, but Circle Polar North, which is a little bit wider than the Arctic Circle, actually have different ways to produce things like hemoglobin and blood genetically than we do. So they actually have the ability uh, you know, to survive and thrive in those environments. And we wouldn't even be able to breathe in some of those environments and, yet they could. But when that, when that system stops and everything stops moving and that heat generation stops, uh, everything freezes. All right. So when you look at uh, bringing them back, uh, have you thought about the impact, the unknowns, you know, uh, who was it? Rumsfeld said there's knowns and, and then the, the, the unknowns that are unknown, uh, have you thought about reintroducing a, a pretty large species back into the uh, the ecosphere 
and and the ramifications of that that are not necessarily good? Yeah, I mean, you always have intended and unintended consequences with whatever you do. If you look at probably one of the most successful rewilding campaigns, rewilding the process of reintroducing a species back into its native habitat that no longer exists there, one of the most successful rewilding campaigns of all time, with relatively large animal being, you know, the gray wolf, was back in Yellowstone, where we as humanity reintroduced wolves back in Yellowstone uh, after 70, after we called them 70 years before. And that has led to a complete blossoming of that ecosystem. It's actually added more diversity. Right, right, right. But, but wait, 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 wait. Let's, not glo- wait let's not gloss over, because I remember when they were taken, and my grandfather said, what the hell are these people doing? You can't collapse an ecosystem like that. Everything works together. It was the scientists that first said, we've got to get rid of the wolves and it's going to be fine. Uh, And it didn't work out that way. And the people that I grew up with that are just, you know, farmers and hunters and everything else were like, you cannot remove the wolves. So your grandfather was right. And not look, just because you're a scientist and you have a Ph.D. does not mean you're right. Right. Yes. We are. We aren't right about everything. Uh, Our teams. I'm not a scientist. I'm just. I, I just have the fortunate, you know, ability to work with really smart people doing really interesting things. But fundamentally, science, just because you're a scientist doesn't mean you're right. Lots of scientists have done lots of weird things. Um, your grandfather and the people that you grew up with were 100% right. We need to respect nature and this, you need to assume the system works for a reason. And when we interfere with it, to your question, you know, there are consequences. And so with what we do know right now about the tundra and the Arctic is that it's a completely degraded ecosystem. But what we know from all of the research of that land is it used to be kind of like Yellowstone. It was full of different large cold tolerant megafauna like mammoths and mastodons and muskox and whatnot. So if we can return those animals, we hope that will help, you know, uh, replenish that ecosystem and build a better uh, diverse ecosystem. And they've done little experiments like this over time including uh, in uh, a place called Pleistocene Park, where they've reintroduced cold-tolerant megafauna, not mammoths yet, right? Uh, and they've actually seen the benefit of the Arctic grasslands start to come back. So I have to tell you, I'm really torn on your research. It's easy to say, really bad idea, um, but you make a good case. Uh, and so I, I am torn on it, but I, I'm, I'm a guy who thinks what Bill Gates is doing with mosquitoes is a bad idea. Wait, we're going it's to a just lot easier. Yeah, but we. It's a lot easier. Oh, sorry, God. That's food for a lot of animals. A lot of animals. Bats come to mind. Yeah, and it's a lot easier to roll back uh, an unintended consequence from a multi-thousand-pound animal than a mosquito, right? Like when you start to look at the world of genetically modified organisms or, or GMOs, you know, I think that you know. We don't have as many, I think, challenges. We have different challenges, but it's a different set of challenges than people that are working with like mosquitoes or gene drives where they really have to be mindful of the unintended consequences. We definitely need to be mindful of the unintended consequences, but, you know, we're not going to lose a several thousand pound animal. Okay, hang on for 60 seconds. I just want to ask you what stage you're at. When are we going to see one of these things Uh, in 60 seconds? First, I want to talk to you about a woman named Natalie. She and her husband, they have four children, all of whom uh, are fostered to adoption over the years through various circumstances. 
in love, they reached out to these children and made them part of their family, all while running two businesses. Natalie is a listener to this program. Hi, Natalie. Um, and they're crushing it in all ways. They're crushing it. Now, there's one more thing about Natalie that is not nearly as important. She's a real estate agent. Uh, she's not doing it on a lark, however. She's a really good real estate agent. And I know that because she works with my company, Real Estate Agents I Trust. The fact is, we only work with people like Natalie. So when it comes time for you to buy or sell a home or both, you need a really good real estate agent. But it doesn't really hurt if your agent is also a really good person. Check them out today. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. 10 seconds, station ID. So many things are happening in the world that I can't believe I, I talk about in a serious sort of way. Everything is was science fiction and it's becoming science fact. Um, so let me just ask this question. What stage of resurrecting the woolly mammoth are you at? I think we're closer than some people think, you know, uh, you have, as I mentioned, you have to go through a whole list of different components like computational biology, cellular engineering, uh, animal husbandry and therapy. So we built those whole teams. So we have about 112 people and scientists, uh, mostly based in Texas, that are working on this. And we're on track to have our first calves by 2028. Um, that could slip, but we're pretty confident right now about the timeline. We've already assembled the amount of DNA that we need to be successful. We've already leveraged AI and software tools to, to map that to the eight, to the Asian elephant reference genome that we had to also create. Remember, we, it's not just about the mammoth. We had to go create a reference genome for the Asian elephant. We've done all of that comparative analysis using AI computers, and then we've established these cell lines, and then we've started to make edits, uh, um, and, and actually the CRISPR edits and the other genetic engineering tool edits into those cell lines. And so at, once we complete our full list of editing, we'll go through the process of, you know, cloning, which is also known as somatic cell nuclear transfer, and, you know, put it into an elephant surrogate to, to grow. Well, Ben, thank you so much uh, for being on the program. I, I think I'm right where I was before. Uh, doesn't sound like a good idea, um, but you have better reasons for doing it than I thought. Uh, and I, uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Ben Lamb yeah. from uh, Colossal.com. Last comment, real quick. No, okay. Uh, ben Lamb from Colossal.com. Back in a minute. The Glenn Beck Program. If it wasn't for that damn movie, I'd probably be more excited about it. Uh, if I were to tell you exactly what day and time your car was going to break down, it would be great, right? If your if your if your car had a giant clock on it and it's a breakdown, fourteen days, twelve minutes, it'd be fantastic. I could budget for it, but it doesn't do that. It's just like check engine light dead, uh, and it never goes off at a convenient time because I've never saved up for car problems. I don't know why. That's why you have to have, I think this is like catastrophic uh, medical insurance, but it's for your car. 
car shield, you can count on them to take care of you when you're on the side of the road. Every protection plan includes coast-to-coast roadside assistance, rental car options, trip reimbursement, all of that, no extra cost. But it covers more parts than ever before, and they're affordable protection plans. So when the costly repairs are there, that's when you need them. They're there. Car Shield, 800-227-6100, 800-227-6100, carshield.com slash Beck. And head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn and subscribe to Blaze TV today. If you use the promo code Glenn, you'll save 10 bucks. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. I know you came in uh, just before the show. Have you walked down the atrium of this building? I have not, no. You really, take, go take a stroll after the next break. Uh, this is an, what, an 80,000 square foot building. The atrium is enough for multiple uh, 18-wheelers uh, to park inside this building. And... Uh, if you go down about halfway in the atrium, it looks like the ending of the first Indiana Jones. It's all just crates. And it, I mean, it's got, <laughs> I was walking around yesterday and I'm looking at all of these things and they're bringing them all in so we can pack them for this museum that we're doing in St. George uh, and uh, Idaho. Um, I think tickets are still available. I haven't checked, but uh Go to unitedwepledge.org and buy your tickets. It's running for 12 days. I Last I saw, which was over the weekend, there were like two days that had some openings, and they're early next week. It opens next Monday in St. George. But the artifacts, Stu, it is incredible. The, I mean, the office kind of stopped yesterday, and everybody just came in, and they were like, I, I can't believe all i can't even i have not seen it all assembled like this before it's really remarkable what you've put together here i know you've done it with a lot of help from uh, from staff and everything else but it really is an incredible thing we've done these museums before and they've always been really good they've always been really good oh yeah what you've done now is these are things that you'd never think you'd ever set your own eyes on in your entire life didn't even know this existed this is incredible. I'm showing it if you happen to be watching Blaze TV. Can you figure out what that is or describe what it looks like? I mean, it's a drawing in blue and red uh, pe- colored pencil um, with a, it's a bunch of words and uh, in a different language. And I don't, uh-huh. okay. I don't know what it so says. So it's Cyrillic. Hmm. So it's Russian. Okay. It's in crayon. Hmm. It was done by a six-year-old girl. And it's made to look like an official document. Yeah, it kind of looks like that. It has like mm-hmm. a seal and look like signatures at the bottom almost. Uh-huh. And you can see 440. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you can see a signature here. The mm-hmm. signature is her dad. This is made to look like an official Soviet document mm-hmm. telling her father to stop the killing and to put the 440,000 guns or whatever away. And put them in a warehouse so the killing can stop. She gave it to her dad. Her dad signed it. 
Her dad? Joseph Stalin. (laughs) Wow. This is the daughter that grew up and defected to the United States. You believe that? Wow. I mean, I... I, I, And this is just going to be like, I don't even know if I have a place for this. Hmm. We have so many things. I'm, I'm like... I'm taking it. I don't know where I'm even going to put it. We have so many items. Uh, this probably is going with, but you'll, I'm, I'm not going to take it out. But these are the uh, notes from Gene Roddenberry working for Lucy, uh, Lucille Ball, Lucille, Lucille Arnaz at Desilu Studios on a new project called Star Trek. And these are Gene Roddenberry's descriptions of what he thinks the bridge should look like, (laughs) uh, what he thinks the uniform should look like. And this on the second page, you can barely see it. Oh, yeah. That is the first drawing of a Klingon ship. (laughs) Uh, This is uh, MacArthur's license plate from his Jeep with the five stars. (laughs) Uh this is wow this do you know what this is i do not know what that is can you guess uh, i mean a really bad electric shaver okay it's a remote control for your television <laughs> used on all in the family archie bunker oh really because we have we bought i bought the entire set uh because i'm going to do a series based on and it's been in the mothballs. Um, Norman Lear put it in mothballs, thinking that there would be a revival, you know, or a anniversary show or something, get everybody back. It never happened. The set was forgotten. It was sitting in uh, some uh, uh, storage facility, all air conditioned, since 1979. And I'm putting it back together to do a, a series. Wow. Yeah, I, you know what? That's one of the cool things about about your collection and what you're going to be showing off at this museum. At least I assume. I know a lot of the stuff is it's really deep history. You know, World War II stuff and just crazy. Pilgrims stuff. are so deep. All that slavery stuff, dead to rights. Yeah, really, really incredible history stuff. And then also a lot of real pop culture, amazing pop culture stuff that you've found. Have you seen this? I have not. This is the original telegram from Western, I'm sorry, to uh, the Associated Press from the White Star Line. And it says, Associated Press, New York, deeply regret to advise you Titanic sank this morning, the 15th, after collision with iceberg, serious loss of life, Carpathia pick up many passengers proceeding to new york oh my gosh i mean it's and you know what i hope you do is when you see some of these things you'll go and and be fascinated by them for instance you when you see what we have on the titanic it'll blow your mind Mm. it'll blow your mind um but i want you to go and go home and do research on the ss eastland the ss eastland is almost forgotten in history and it's been so twisted now that it's like well some say it was this some say it was that 
this was a, a boat that took regular people in Chicago onto the Great Lakes. And uh, it always was having problems because it was it was always top heavy. And uh, Woodrow Wilson, after the sinking of the Titanic, he got into office and he's like, oh, well, we need to make sure every boat has enough lifeboats for every single person. And uh, the Eastland, the people that ran the Eastland were like, uh, no, maybe life jackets, but lifeboats would be a very bad idea on this ship. Because it's already top heavy. You will have enough mm. lifeboats for 2,000. And I can't remember how much, how many it were, uh, how many it was. It was like 2,000 people, something like tw- 2,500 passengers. They put all the, they put all of them on because Woodrow Wilson deemed that that was federal law now. And they did it. It didn't even get off the deck. They put the people on and the whole thing flipped over and, uh, about a thousand people died. Largest loss of life on the Great Lakes still to this day. Because why? Government. They decide they're going to do something and they know the answer and we've got the experts. Mm. That's incredible. Yeah, it really is. Um, and I know you've been looking at some of the before I left, we were talking about you some really incredible World War Two nazi history stuff that you might be able to acquire were you able to get that or how what is it about you (laughs) sincerely what is it about you are you curious trying to to get me you really do you have like a thing for my wife or do you just want to break us up you know i think it's the pain that you'd go through is the real i mean your wife's of course very beautiful but i would also it's the it's the utter pain that you'd go through when she actually dumps you that i'm looking for she's all she now now she's i'm gonna come home and she's gonna go what was that all about Mm. and i'll say what what was what all about well i'm just curious if you happen look at the museum time is coming up you were looking to potentially acquire some very expensive um items from history and i don't i didn't get the outcome so here Here's what Stu is talking about, honey, and I want you to listen carefully. (laughs) The money we have saved is remarkable. Before we left, before the whole buying the entire Archie Bunker Mm -hmm. set and chair and everything else, which was probably pretty pricey, I would would assume, which was great. Mm -hmm. Uh, You think of the money we saved on that, honestly. So Mm -hmm. uh, before that, there was announced an auction about some documents that came from Hitler uh, and like his speech of the acceptance speech of the 1930 election in his own hand. Now that, that may not sound very impressive and I would agree with you because who needs that, right? Hmm. Oh, a museum would be, would certainly well, need it. Sure. Uh, but also all of the hand signed documents calling for the execution of everyone involved in in Valkyrie. <laughs> and I know you like t- Tom Cruise, okay? Uh, and Her liking Tom Cruise is not going to get you out of this. And all of the documents <laughs> that, re- that, you know, go right to eugenics and human experimentation, all of that stuff. It was coming up for auction, and I thought, well, I don't have the money to do I'm going to just bid very low because I won't get anything. 
Okay. Mm. And when I say very low, it's probably not the definition of very low, honey, that you have. <laughs> but I didn't think we would get really mm. any of it, uh, let alone all of it. Uh, <laughs> and the money needs to be wired today. So, oh, you know. Oh, wow. That's, so that's how it came out then. It has to be wired today. I have lost sleep over this last few days. I've been tossing it to her. I cannot sleep. I'm like, she's going to well, kill got, me. She's, you're saying she doesn't know yet. Now, I mean, now she knows, obviously. But I'm, I'm hoping not because <laughs> she's, she, there's somebody coming over to the house to do something because her house is almost finished. So I'm hoping that she's not listening. Well, certainly one of her friends would help uh, alert her. No. They will not. I think they will. Elena, no, you will not. I think there's a good chance one of them will. Here's our commercial sponsor this half hour. I'm backed. (laughs) It's. I'm sure. I'm sure, you know. I, I mean, I, I could do it. Do you need me to? Because I could just do it right now. Maybe Tunnel the Towers is our sponsor. Uh, let me tell you about a hero, a really good guy that didn't throw his friends under <laughs> the bus or a train, as this one might be. Uh, Marine Corps Corporal Seth Rasmussen was, I'm going to have to beg you to, at some point, I am going to be living uh, on the kindness of strangers. Because <laughs> you can make a bed out be of all living. these wonderful documents you have. You can cover yourself yeah. up and... They'll be long buried. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be long buried. They'll be found by a woolly mammoth, I'm thinking, at mm-hmm. some point. Anyway, um, uh, five Marines were tragically killed in a training accident. Uh, the Osprey uh, crashed in California. 21-year-old Marine who gave his life in the service of his country survived by his wife, Avery, and their infant son. Seth left behind a family. And when that happens, the people at the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, they spring into action. The first thing, within days of this happening, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation reached out to his widow and told her, you and your son are not going to have to worry about money for your mortgage. Don't worry about it. We're taking care of it. We'll take care of your whole mortgage. Because of people like you helping people like the Tunnel to Towers, It means these people in their worst hour knew how much they were appreciated and now can heal. Support our nation's heroes and their families. Donate $11 $11 a month or, you know, I don't know how much I'll need for a Motel 6. I know it's not $6 anymore, but we might have to have one for me as as well as my wife kicks me out. Anyway. $11 $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. T2T.org. The Glenn Beck Program. argument <laughs> you're screwed <laughs> all through the break Stu was like okay have you tried this one uh no uh, i work as your attorney in the off yeah, time uh, yeah and no well i mean i do think that look these are important things and you are protecting history this is essentially your life's mission 
Amen, brother. And Will you a- come home with me? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to come up with it on the fly. This is your life's mission. This is yeah. what you've set out to do. It's, right. it's your and legacy. that is really very workable for everything that I'm having to tell my wife about today. Okay. But in three weeks, Orson Welles' typewriter is up for sale. Have you thought about <laughs> going on one of the addiction reality shows? And like, yes, you just have a yes, problem. I do. I do have a problem. I do have a problem. You are like you're. This isn't your version of retail therapy. But it is. <laughs> it, <laughs> right? is it is. It's my patriotic duty. Really, right. Stupid. You've convinced no, yourself. No, not the of Orson Welles. Not the Orson Welles thing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Orson Welles typewriter. I mean, why I, are you selling me on this? <laughs> why are you this selling me on this? Right down your alley. Have you purchased you one of my paintings this? yet? I, I have not. But okay, because you you purchased three of them, and it might get that typewriter. <laughs> okay, or you could buy my paintings, you know, on a mm-hmm. T-shirt or on a mug or mm. or a million a poster. Okay, you know, you don't have to buy the originals. Yeah, Those are that's pricey. a little pricey. <laughs> yeah, but you could you could. You know, buy a lot of posters. Mm-hmm. Where can like, people buy those? We should probably tell them that. Glenbeckart.com. There you go. Glenbeckart.com. And if you're interested cool, in a, you know, an original, I'll come to your house and hang it for you. Really? Yeah. Well, it depends on where you live. If you live around here, mm-hmm. uh, no, nah, not going to. Well, the typewriter is up for sale in three weeks. So, so if you want a Glenbeck painting hung <laughs> askew <laughs> from a guy who doesn't know how to My use a hammer is, a nail or a level. If I don't level. sell all of this artwork, because that's what I said. I we're, we're using this artwork money to buy all these things, which we're way out of whack on that. She's gonna <laughs> If I don't sell every art piece I have, she's going to go, what are you? No, no more. And that scam with my wife is over. <laughs> Help me. The Glenn Beck Program.